0: This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in.
1: Um, Hey, Thank you uh, so much already, uh, thanks for welcoming me, but thank you so much to, to the worship team uh, for leading us in, in song and in, in prayer, and thank you so much for that, to the prayer team that was praying before this started, so grateful for that team that prays faithfully, um, it's amazing. So, it, so it's my privilege to, to continue on in, in the series that, that you're in, in the book of Mark, so Mark chapter 7, uh, we'll go ahead and start reading, Mark 7, verses 31 to 37. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute Speak. So this is the word of the Lord. Some of you may know that, uh, uh, some of you will know that one of my favorite movies is The Shawshank Redemption, and uh, it takes place in the the 1940s in Maine with Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, and Red, the Morgan Freeman character, uh, says the following about prison life. He says, these walls are kind of funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. They send you here for life, that's exactly what they take. He's, he's describing prison, this feeling of being, you know, claustrophobic in a cell. It's like you suddenly, you, you, you know, you hate the walls at the beginning, but then all of a sudden these walls in our life, we become, we get used to them. And, and, then, and then to be institutionalized is to get to depend on these walls in our life. And I want to, I'm so, here we are at the end of October, and I don't know what you're feeling as a student I don't know what kind of anxiety you're feeling, stress you're feeling, feeling you, you, you had hoped at the beginning of your school year that maybe certain addictions wouldn't be part of your story this, this, this semester, this year, that God would have set you free. And here in the middle of the fall, you're, you're, you're just still struggling with some of those same addictions. That you here in the, in the middle of fall, you're, you're worried about family at home, and, and there's a stress about what's going on at home. You're thinking of your siblings or your parents. And... and uh, and a, lot of, and a lot of the stress and anxiety have become walls. And sometimes we begin to depend on these walls. And we feel lonely within these walls. And during this time of pain or trial or sickness or sadness or anxiety, our, our tendency is to pull away from God and to pull away from community. Probably there were high hopes in September of what friendships would look like. You know, have those hopes and dreams been met? Are you walking through loneliness? See, when we're in this time of trial, we, our, our tendency is to hide from others, to pull back, to doubt that God is good. We become cynical. We try to fix our own lives, alone, isolated, many of us addicted to our screens, and comfortable with the walls that we've put around us. That's institutionalized. And today, what I hope we see in Mark 7 is that there is a powerful call to lean into the love of God as we lean into the love of the community around us. Today is not a day to pull back. I, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit today will use this moment to be able to fill you with hope that God is not done and that he wants to pull you into a deeper love of community. So the message from Jesus today is this, lean in, press in, engage with God and others as you walk through your trial. Let me pray. Jesus, that is my prayer. My prayer for all of us here is that just as we see these friends bring their friend to you, Jesus, and the way in which you healed their friend, God, I pray that we would get a picture of what it means to be a loving community and to pray with great boldness, to intercede for those we love with the great expectation that you are the great healer and you can heal. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so let's look at our passage in a little bit of a deeper way. Verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on them. Now, so they're in the Decapolis. This is kind of a, an area of 10 smaller cities in, in one area, and it's a Gentile area. These, there are not very many Jews in this area, but these Gentiles have heard about Jesus. The rumors have been going around that this man is a healer. This rabbi from Nazareth can heal. And so I want you to notice the, the, the pain here. This man is deaf. He can hardly talk. This would have impacted the kind of job he had, his own safety, his interactions with his own family. But he has this wonderful thing going for him. He has a beautiful community around him. This community has heard the buzz about Jesus. And the, this, the people in this man's life know that Jesus has come to set people free. And so what do they do? They lean in and they bring their friend to Jesus. Look at verse 32. There are some people brought him Uh, Some people brought Jesus to a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Notice this loving community around this man begging Jesus. This is the love of community. The man's community leans into Jesus for real healing. Notice there is no cynicism or loneliness or pulling back away from God and others. No, this community of love is leaning in, pressing in to the power of Jesus. You know, holding on to the love of God. And that is what prayer is, intercessory prayer. Intercession simply means to intervene on behalf of another. And it's what love looks like, bringing your community, your friends, your family before the throne of God and saying, oh God, would you please heal my friend? Would you please step in? Would you heal? Augustine and Luther both used this image of of sin, and they used a Latin phrase which was "incurvatus inse. This is a this is a life that's curved in upon itself. It it it's it becomes only about the self, uh, addicted to more of the self. Spiraling downwards, you know, turning inward, turning away from God, away from others, into this inner life that spirals downward. But they said the life of God is actually excurvatus exe. So it's a life poured out in love for others and a life exposed to the love of God. Excurvatus exe. The life of the Christian is moving outwards in great love for neighbor and love for God. Excurvatus exe. And that is what this community is doing with this man. See, we're always tempted to pull away and to go inward, to become isolated with our screens, to pull away from friendships. This is a moment not to do that. It's ex curvatus exe, trusting in God. Notice there is no cynicism. They're leaning into Jesus and His love. And I want to ask you, is this what it looks like in your life as you love your friends? How often Are you in intercessory prayer for your friend? How often do you enter the throne of God and you just say, here, here's my friend, I love them deeply, here's my sibling, here's my parent, here are these people that I love and I place them before the king and I pray, would you come and heal? Is intercessory prayer part of your rhythm as you love your friends? Intercessory prayer is what love looks like. All right, verse 33. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak plainly. Look at the power of Jesus. Be open. Just so you know, there's a fulfillment of Isaiah 35 where, where God had promised to one day show up to heal. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf, of, of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Jesus shows up and he is the fulfillment of Isaiah 35. And he stands there. Jesus He just says the word, and the man is healed. Ephatha, be opened. Ephatha, be opened. And how many of us here are just saying, Jesus, please, please would you come into my loved one's life and speak that word, Ephatha, be opened. Come speak that word into my broken friendship. Man, maybe they're here in the room with you. It's been a while since you've spoken to the other. Speak your word, Ephetha. Be opened. Speak your word of freedom. Say the word into my broken heart, Ephetha. Say the word into my sick body, my friend's sickness. Speak that word of healing into the life of my siblings. Speak that word of healing into the pain that uh, my parents are experiencing. Speak that word of healing into the addiction, into the cynicism, into the bitterness, into the loneliness, into the anxiety, into my atheism. Speak the word, Ephetha. Or you bring your friend before the king and you say, speak it. Lord, please speak. Come. Speak that word of healing in their life. But I need to make an aside here. What happens, this is an important aside, when God doesn't seem to speak his word of healing? Some of you are familiar with Casimir Pulaski Day, a song by Sufyan. He, he sings Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. All the glory when he took our place, but he took my shoulders and he shook my face, and he takes and he takes and he takes. This is a song of lament, right? Sufyan's articulating the pain of unanswered prayer for the healing of a friend who has cancer. He knows, it's like he knows the songs we just sung, that, that God took our place on the cross and has healed us, but it feels like God is just taking and taking and taking. Our loved ones pass away. The dreams that we have have come crashing down. The healing seems to have never come. The reconciliation never came. We prayed fervently, but it feels like the healing just didn't come, like waiting for a train that never arrived or a plane that never lands. Why doesn't God heal in the way that I want him to heal? And the answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Some of you know the story of Joni Erickson Tada. When she was 17 years old in 1967, she went to the beach one summer day. She dove into the water but misjudged the shallowness of the water and tragically broke her spine. For over 50 years, she's been paralyzed from her shoulders down. She was often prayed for. She went to the elders, she confessed her sin, she was anointed with oil, she would believe in faith, but her healing never came. She's battled suicidal thoughts, depression, doubts about the goodness of God. But she writes this about unanswered prayer. She says, He has chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. The more intense the pain, the closer his embrace. And Joni knows that we, while we don't know the answer to why God always doesn't heal, when we, when we beg him to, when we're on our knees for it, we are aware that we live between an already and a not yet, right? The already is that Christ has come, that Christ has become king, coronated on the cross, that three days later he rose from the dead and defeated death itself, and he reigns as king. His kingdom has come, it is already here. And yet, as it grows and as it changes the world, it is not yet fully here. We wait for the new heavens and new earth. The day when God will come again and restore all things, and you and I, we're living in the in-between times, and in the in-between times, this is a place of spiritual battle. If I could remind us there's an enemy whose job description is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his job description. And just like the image of chess, some of you know that when you place your opponent in checkmate, there is technically two two more moves to make. A gentleman's game, you finish the game right there, but there is technically a couple other moves. Your opponent could make a final move, it's a move of destruction, to take one of your pieces before the actual end of the game where we capture their king. And so if you're familiar with the game of chess, you get the already and not yet. See, Satan has been put in checkmate at the cross and resurrection. Absolute checkmate. The outcome of world history is not up for grabs, right? The new heavens and new earth is coming. Jesus will come again and reign as king. That outcome is sealed. It was checkmate. But right here in the in-between times, Satan is doing what he does best, to steal, kill, and destroy, and to create as much havoc in the in-between times. Was it God's will that someone would be raped or abused? Absolutely not. Was it God's will that someone would uh, experience... uh, the the pain of sickness and death. No, does God allow it? Yes, it's a mystery, we don't get it. But is death and sickness part of Eden or part of new creation? No. And so in the in-between time we live in a time of a battle and we continue to pray and Jesus has invited us to pray, to lean into the checkmate of history. He's green-lighted our participation and we have to take it seriously. You have a deep love for your friend and it is up to us as those in community around our friendships is to bring our friends before the king and say your kingdom come, your will be done, speak, be opened into the life of my friend. We cannot let cynicism win. Yes, for some reason, God is allowing suffering. It's a difficult mystery, but Jesus is inviting us to pray and to take it seriously. And then coincidences start happening when we pray, right? As former Archbishop of Canterbury once said, and I think I mentioned this to you in September, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't, right? We begin to see these coincidences happen. My biggest problem is often that I don't pray with a great boldness. And Jesus has invited us to pray with a great boldness. Pete Grieg, in his book, How to Pray, writes this. There is a time and a place to pray through tears, to groan with the Holy Spirit, to plead with God until your voice gives out, to lay hold of his promises and insist upon their fulfillment, to go without food, to vent righteous anger, to dig your heels into a particular situation of injustice and cry out with clenched fists, Lord, let your kingdom come. And so I would ask in our final seconds here that you would become inspired and indignant. Think about what God could do if he could, could begin to make changes in your friend's life, and we become indignant, and we're just like, this is not right, Lord. There's a godly frustration for the way things are, and so we want to come and bring our friends before him. Final thing I want to show you is this. Richard Foster writes this. If we truly love people, then we will desire for them far more than is within our power to give them, and this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. And so Jesus, as we finish here today, Lord, I pray for my friends in this room that they wouldn't pull back into isolation, pull back into loneliness, that they, that they wouldn't be comfortable with the walls around them. But Lord, in Jesus' name, that they would lean in and with great boldness bring their community with great love before the King of Kings who has all the power in the world to speak those words, Ephatha, be opened. And O oh, King, would you come and heal us? We love you. In your name. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers, ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.